The 200th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win 54 to 53. North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good. Fred Brown looking. Oh, wait a worthy. Worthy five. The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gaggum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again tonight. A few hours here after Carolina takes down NC State 82-69 in the Smith Center and uh, we're here to break down and and recap the game, give our thoughts, takeaways, look at the box score, et cetera. But before we do any of that, for those of you that uh, that 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 watched the game at home today, or maybe you were in the Smith Center with with with, with some family and some friends, you saw the incident that did involve uh, NC State player Terquavion Smith, who did leave the game um, on a stretcher after a hard foul by our uh, Leaky Black in in transition. And we hear from the Four Corners podcast uh, and and from the Heel Tough blog, we do want to to make it known that our thoughts and prayers um, are with Terquavion at this time. Uh, I I saw where his mom posted uh, on something on Facebook saying that he is okay. And the first thing that he, he really wanted to know was what was the final score of the game and stuff like that. So uh, it's, it's really positive or it's really good to see him in positive spirits after a, 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 a scary play. Um, the, the, the foul that leaky black committed did result in the ejection of, of, of leaky black. They did deem it a flagrant two foul and Carolina played roughly the last nine, 10 minutes of the game without their shutdown perimeter defender. But, um, you know, that that's why basketball is sometimes a dangerous game. And we're just glad to see that Terquavion uh appears to be, you know, in all in in, in good stable condition. Um and, and hopefully we see him back on the basketball court sometime soon. And, and I think I think, buddy, the the worry that I thought about when 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 that incident happened was is this moment, what's this moment going to do to Carolina? Because the game was paused for roughly 10 minutes, and then the ACC officials deemed no time to warm up. How was Carolina going to respond? Would that be something that would negatively impact them? Would it be something that they could just move on and be ready to play again? Or and or, or are they going to allow this to stand in the way of what was looking like was going to be a big-time win? And that didn't happen. Uh, we've talked so much about the maturity, the experience of this team, and once everything, you know, once once the referees blew their whistle and it was time to go play basketball again, Carolina was able to to lock back in and close out NC State at home and in the process earn their biggest and most important win of the season to date. Well, yeah, first of all, I mean, I think, you know, you, you put it, about as well as you possibly could. It was, you know, a play that uh, is going to be discussed for a while for many different reasons, but um, it's anytime now, especially, you know, for the next few months moving forward, anytime that you have to get 
uh, medical personnel involved, it, it's going to be a little scary. And, you know, this one was was a little scary today because it was something that just seemed like such a normal play, um, almost similar to what we saw with, with DeMar Hamlin a few weeks ago, where it just felt like a normal play and, and a hard fall to the floor. And, um, you know, it, it ends up with the guy having to get stretchered off the floor with a towel over his head. So uh, it's, you know, I'm just glad to hear that we're, you know, at least getting some positive news. And I know that that's how, you know, everybody on both sides of the court is feeling about that situation. And you're right. Carolina was put in a tough spot after that. Same thing with NC State, you know, being, you know, forced to go back and and play without any time to warm up. And I mean, look, it, it was a pretty significant delay. I mean, 10 minutes, it, probably 10 to 12 minutes. Um, honestly, a little shocked that they didn't let them warm back up at any point. But uh, yeah, Carolina, uh, amazingly, up 10 at that point, really just kind of picked up where they left off. And I thought that was, you know, a, a great job by the leaders on the court. It was a great job by head coach Hubert Davis and the rest of his staff to get these guys locked back in on the game that was at hand. And yeah, they they, they picked up, yes, what it is easily their best win so far of the season. Um, because that Ohio State win looked really good at the time. Ohio State has fallen off since. They are really struggling. They picked up a big win today against Iowa that helps that win out a little bit. But that's a team that's probably going to be on the bubble of the NCAA tournament. Michigan uh, could be in a similar similar-ish category. They're a little bit better at this point. But still, this was a game that Carolina – coming in, knew they were going to have to be prepared for a team that was ready to throw their best punch because this was NC State's opportunity, as you mentioned in the preview, to pretty much lock up an NCAA tournament berth. I would be stunned if that team doesn't still go to the NCAA tournament because I I think we saw today, especially, you know, in, in stretches, that's a really good NC State team. But I, I think th- this is one that Carolina should really hold in high regard um, moving forward because you faced a team that came in and, and wanted to play at a high pace. There was a point early in the game where, you know, even similar, you know, similar to some of the other games that we've seen so far this year where Carolina has gotten off to a slow start, wasn't a slow start for Carolina. They were up 10 to five early in the game, but then NC State goes on a 10-0 run, and I mean, look, there there was a time where it looked like NC State really just had everything clicking, and Carolina didn't really have many answers, especially in the half court, and Carolina was able to weather the storm, figure some things out, lean on Armando Baycott and RJ Davis, and they come out uh, with a massive, massive win that Puts them in a, a pretty good spot moving forward, you would think, to uh, compete for an ACC regular season title. Yeah, and I think that was the thing was that you know we talked about <clears throat> leading into the game that uh, this was a this was a game that this is why you come to Carolina. And we talked about this rivalry really having some juice behind it for the first time in a couple of years because NC State is a really good basketball team, and I think they validated that today despite going down in defeat but this was why this is why you come to Carolina capacity crowd at the Smith Center a lot on the line in the ACC a lot on the line as you start positioning yourself for an NCAA tournament bid and all that and even though Carolina may not have come out with the way that you wanted to see them to uh, they did fall behind 18 to 10 um after that 13-0 run by NC State R.J. Davis and, and Co. They 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 would respond with a nine-two run of their own, and then out of a timeout, R.J. Davis would hit a three from the R and the Roy Williams sticker at the basket opposite the Carolina bench. And from then on, you knew this team was going to be ready for a fight. And, and I really thought they 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 really just outfought and out and out and out toughened uh, NC State. Of course, the biggest storyline entering the game was. Armando Baycott on the precipice of history. He entered tied with Billy Cunningham for 
the all-time record in double-doubles, and he was 17 rebounds away from uh, passing Tyler Hansborough for most rebounds in Carolina history. We both predicted and, and, and anticipated him breaking both of those records in this game today because he knew how big it was. Um, when he mentioned that he'd much rather break the record in this type of setting as opposed to a game on Tuesday night where not so many people are going to be in front of their televisions watching the game. And he did just that. Um, I, I felt like R.J. Davis was Carolina's best player on the floor today because he was just so spectacular what he did in terms of running the offense. But I thought Armando Baycott was the most impactful player uh, because he scored 23 points and grabbed 18 rebounds to 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 break the record for most double doubles of all time, and then set the record for most rebounds in UNC history. And the neat thing was that Tyler Hansborough was in the building and was there to to personally acknowledge and recognize him for setting the mark. Another big factor in this game was. Carolina was 36 of 39 from the foul line. They just simply drove to the lane over and over again, and they forced the issue. And a state team that entered by not allowing to shoot, not allow their opponents to shoot many foul shots, they weren't tough enough and smart enough to play defense without fouling. Um, and a lot of this cultivated in, in Carolina winning for the 36th time in the last 41 matchups against NC State and the 53rd time out of the last 65 matchups. And, you know, something that we knew always with, 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 with Roy Williams was Roy Williams knew how big the Duke game was and understood and respected it as the, the biggest rivalry in sports and all that. But the team that he clearly hated the most was NC State. And with Hubert, we kind of thought it was the opposite. Because Hubert played at Carolina at a time where the rivalry with Duke was was coming into its own, and where you know TV had really put it on the forefront, and he played in some of those classic battles against the Blue Devils. But I think after today, with not 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 because of the incident with Terquavion Smith, but the way that State kind of reacted to it, with literally two possessions later, I think it was uh, Caleb Love caught an elbow straight into the face, combined with the, the nonstop complaining from Kevin Keats, state's head coach, and the players, you saw uh, an emotion from Hubert Davis that you rarely see where we hear that competitive fire. It was on it, it was on display once again today, and I think that spells bad news for NC State fans moving forward because, you know, Roy Williams is always able to get Carolina up to play NC State. It appears that Huber Davis can do so as well as he's already 3-0 and against the Wolfpack. Well, I mean, the fact that NC State has to play Carolina in any game, I think at this point seems to be uh, a, a bad news for NC State fans. I mean, it's it's just gotten to that point. It's carried over with Huber Davis, and I had no questions in my mind heading into this game that he was going to have this team ready because we remember what they did last year when they, you know, brought back a team, you know, and 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 honored Roy Williams, and this team per performed the way that you would have expected them to perform. They absolutely smashed them. This year they bring back the – 92-93 team and honor them and just like you would expect this team comes out and plays the way that they should um they always know how to get up for these types of games and yeah I mean I I think I, I think honestly yeah it, it was even before anything had you know the the foul that um should have that that was called the flagrant one that uh, was called after Caleb Love got hit in the face. I, it, it's, you know, it, it was even before that where, yeah, NC State came in clearly motivated. Um, they were frustrated by the calls that they didn't think were, that, that they didn't think were going their way. Um, but, I, I mean, look, for them, it's it's a mindset thing because they are basically told by their fan base, and at this point it's probably their coaching staff, that they're not going to get the calls that they 
they they want in this building, um, which is, you know, pretty pathetic mindset to to carry. But, you know, it is what it is. And I think Carolina just did what they were supposed to do. Um, as you mentioned, you know, Armando Baycott, I thought was fantastic in this game. Um, I, I knew I had no question in my mind that he was going to come in and, and get to that that rebounding uh, mark and, and overtake Tyler Hansborough in this game. Um, because in, in my mind, you know, we've seen him perform really, really well against NC State just overall throughout his career. This one, you know, you, you felt, com- you know, coming in and, and he sort of confirmed it yesterday when he talked to the media uh, that this this was the game where he was going to come in and and, and want to break this record right here. Um, and And from the word go. It didn't matter who they threw at him. They did a good job of going after DJ Burns and getting him in foul trouble. But the other guys off the bench had absolutely nothing for him inside. DJ Burns really didn't have much for him on the offensive end of the or on the defensive end of the floor. Um, so yeah, I, I I thought you know that was that that was what Carolina needed in this game. And they played through their two best players for the majority of the game. And it's something that I think they have to do moving forward the rest of the season. Uh, if they want to reach the pinnacle, because I think at this point they've shown that that is, that that's what allows them to be most successful on the offensive end of the floor is playing through Armando Baycott and RJ Davis when they're forcing things through other guys it doesn't work. Those two guys are very clearly their best offensive players. Um, and it showed in this one once again. Let's take a look at the box score, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And kind of like the, the box score we got the other night, this one is another unique one for Carolina. They only shot 37% from the field and only made 20 baskets. They were 20 of 54 uh, from the field overall, but they did a really great job defensively. NC State was just 26 of 62 for 42%. Uh, Carolina's three-point struggles continued. They were four of 18 today. That's 22%. Uh, but NC State only five of 17. That is 29%. We mentioned the free throws. Carolina 36 of 39, 92% from the foul line. After the other night, they were 10 of 17 from the charity strike. Uh, NC State was 12 of 12, um, but that, that 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 disparity was too much to overcome. We talked so much about turnovers and how Carolina needed to limit them, just seven turnovers today, which led to just 10 state points. Meanwhile, eight turnovers for NC State led to nine Carolina points. Rebounding, as you can imagine, behind Armando Baycott's eight, 18, and Pete Nance's eight. Uh, they were able to win the rebounding margin rather easily, 42-27 overall, 31-24 on the defensive glass, 11-3 on the offensive glass, and that was really important because Carolina got 13 second-chance points. Meanwhile, the Wolfpack just got four. State's bench did outscore Carolina's bench 9-1. to The lone bench point for Carolina was from Jalen Washington. Uh, points in the paint, 28-22 in favor of Carolina. Fast break points was 15-6 to in favor of State. Uh, State did outblock the did out did out block Carolina 3-2. They did register more steals than Carolina, 5-3. Uh, Carolina with five assists on 20 made baskets. Uh, NC State with seven assists on 26 made baskets. There were six ties, six lead changes, but overall. Carolina led for 30 minutes and six seconds. Let's move on now to the quote of the game where we're going to play you some audio from Armando Baycott talking in the postgame about breaking and setting multiple records from a rebounding perspective at North Carolina. I would say probably just a weight was off of my shoulder. I mean, all game I was really just trying to go out there, and I thought early on I got a good start of – Getting a good amount of rebounds, then I picked up that second foul, and I was like, whoa, just not trying to get in foul trouble, but trying to stay in the game, too, and be aggressive. And then I got lucky. They missed a couple shots, and then I got the last rebound. Yeah, I mean, I think now it's just really just sinking in, just being able to greet Tyler Hansborough after that. It meant everything to me because growing up, just seeing how great of a play he was, not just 
at UNC, but also just in college in general. I mean, he's one of the greatest players of all time, and to be able to pass him just means the world. Yeah, well, I mean, he just told me he's proud of me and just that I've been working hard and, like I said, proud of me. So that was great just to, you know, kind of get the, gain the respect of Tyler Hansborough. I mean, definitely not. I mean, you all saw it. I mean, I really just think my whole career, I've just been growing and growing as a player. Freshman year, I had a lot of tough struggles. I mean, the team, too, I started off really good, then struggled all throughout the season. But, I mean, I never gave, never gave up. Coach Williams, Coach Davis, they all stayed on me, told me to work hard, work hard. Coming back that next year, Coach, he brought in uh, De'Ron Sharp, Walker Kessler, and those two guys in the NBA right now. And I didn't look at it as something like Coach just recruited two All-American bigs over me. I just looked at it as a challenge. And that whole summer during the pandemic, I just worked my tail off and just kept working and working. And I just got a lot better, and it showed. This this kid is um he he's really leaving his mark on on this program and I I I really think on this fan base as a whole because there there's just something genuine Armando has for the you know the the, the University of of North Carolina um. I was listening to Huber Davis in the post game, getting emotional talking about Armando Baycott, which led to me getting emotional about Armando Baycott. This is a guy that um, lives to see the University of North Carolina win, as as great as an individual career as as, as he's had and he's he's having right now. The the only thing this kid cares about is is making sure the Tar Heels win. And, and I think that's why he's right up there with with some of the other players that that we we were praying he he gets a chance to cut down the nets and win a national championship because there's not many kids in the world that deserve more to be a national champion than Armando Baycott and and hearing him talk about getting to meet Tyler Hansborough is just another example of what separates this team this program from every other entity that exists in sports. Like every other sports team is going to talk about a family and it's fabricated. It's fake. It doesn't really exist. This family does exist. And it was, it was a really cool moment getting to see Tyler Hansborough be able to, to pass the baton to Armando Baycott from a rebounding perspective. And then hear Armando Baycott get emotional when talking about, getting that baton passed to him from Tyler Hansborough, a guy that we regard as the greatest college basketball player to ever play at UNC. Yeah. I mean, look, there are other families that exist in sports, but it's not really like this one because these moments, they they always seem to just work out perfectly because you couldn't you couldn't have written a better story you could not have written uh, uh you know a, a more perfect way for armando baycott to overtake tyler hansborough against nc state with tyler hansborough in the building but that's the thing it's important for tyler to be there for that moment and when he when it happens he goes out onto the court and in the media timeout we don't get to see it at home, but in the media timeout, he's taking pictures with them. He's talking to him on the court, and pretty much he's he's basically coaching him up right before he's about ready to go back out and continue the game. So it, it's just it, it is an unbelievably unique way that Carolina does things, and it continues to show. And with with Armando Baycott, I mean, look. For him, you know, to be just kind of blown away by meeting a guy like Tyler Hansborough is really amazing because guess what, Armando? You're going to be hanging around him probably a lot. Whenever conversations happen about the greatest big men in Tar Heel basketball history, your name will be in there, and you two will probably be hanging out a lot at some really important games moving forward. Um so I, I I mean I I think 
it, it's just it, it shows you know he he's starting to realize I think the level of guys that he he is starting to be included with and rightfully so and yes everybody I think at this point wants him to punctuate this with a national championship but I think he's already in that upper echelon of great big men um it's going to be hard to argue that he's not especially as he keeps rolling along through this season and will you know close in you know, closer to some of the greatest rebounders in the ACC and will continue to put, you know, space between him and the other greats at Carolina. Guys like Tyler Hansborough um, in terms of rebounding, Billy Cunningham, um, you know, James Worthy, Sam Perkins, all these great big men. He has a place, and that's that's the, the cool thing is watching this journey and watching him sort of start to realize that he is um, you know, with those guys while at the same time embracing being a, a leader for Carolina, something that we were asking for him to do heading into last year. And over these past two years, it's been amazing to watch him not only grow as a player, but to grow as a leader and to grow into that guy that, you know, really just just shows night in and night out how much he cares about being a part of this program. Because there was a time where during the 2019 season, 2019-2020 season even, you kind of asked yourself, are, are, you know, are, are there really guys on this team that, or, or, or Carolina guys, like, do they really care? And you're, you're seeing that Armando Baycott was really that guy all along. And it's it's started to show itself here over the last couple of years, but especially this year when you get, when, when you start seeing some of the quotes and the way that he just talks about his experience. Let's take a look at the stat of the game and, um, I think this one's pretty easy. It's the free throw disparity because uh, Carolina was 36 of 39 from the free throw line. Meanwhile, NC State was perfect, but they were just 12 of 12. That's a plus 24 in that category. You do the math. That's a big reason why Carolina exits this game, the victor and not the loser. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest ad from DraftKings. Then when we come back, more thoughts, more takeaways from Carolina's win over NC State. That's coming up next on the Four Corners Podcast. Back after this message from DraftKings. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the and for the divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at even bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg added up to 100%. This is the only place, guys, I go to when I want to make my bets on the NFL. I did so for the regular season. I did so with the wild card round. I'll be back for the divisional round as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with that promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are using DraftKings to make all of your picks for the Divisional Round. Uh, as Anthony and I are here both on the Four Corners and the Heel Tough Vlog podcast. I did want to dive just back into to Baycott setting these records um, because I think the thing was, was that like he knew he was, he was closing in on them and he knew that it was, it was going to happen sooner rather than later. But I, I don't think that that was his, his main goal today. I think his main goal was to, go out and play good enough to help his team beat a team that doesn't like us and a team that we don't like. And, you know, there was some attitude from Mondo on the floor today. 
He had the possession early on in the first half where he not only stole the ball um, from DJ Burns, he then uh, would, would would steal the ball, hold the ball, and then talk trash to him before giving the ball off to a guard and running down a court or running down the court the other way as Carolina was going to set up its uh its its offense and um I think that just really speaks to the level of focus and attitude you know he's brought night in night out he he had some pretty you know harsh comments to to say about his teammates after that loss at Pittsburgh and look Pittsburgh um is a much better basketball team than I think we give them credit for they've definitely come back to earth the last couple weeks or so they lost again today to Florida State, but but Armando Baycott, as you were talking about before we went to break, has emerged as now this the 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 vocal leader that Carolina needs, and then he's even got some some swag off the court. He uh, he he wore some sunglasses into his post game press conference today, um, and I think you know he's the guy that. When Hubert Davis goes to recruit moving forward, not that he needs any help recruiting, the guy, the the the, the selling pitch that he's going to have is Armando Baycott, that you could come here and have the type of career that he's had, have the type of impact that he's had, and leave the type of legacy he is going to leave at Chapel Hill, and it's 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 really just it's really just a beautiful thing, um, j- just watching this guy accomplish everything that he accomplished because even though he came to Carolina as a five-star player he's not an NBA player he he's he's not he's not gonna be you know a 10 12 NBA all-star because he doesn't have that type of game but he's a really really good college basketball player and he has worked at his game every single year he's come back a better player Every single year, whether it's from a conditioning standpoint, whether it's from a rebounding standpoint, or developing his mid-range jump shot, becoming a better perimeter defender, no matter what it is, he is the epitome and, and, and the example of what college basketball should look like. You go to college to get a great education, to have a great experience, and to continue to develop on the court as a as a basketball player and off the court as a man and as a human being. And, and as I mentioned earlier, I, I think Baycott, whenever his senior day comes, which could come in, in March against Duke, or if he decides to use that COVID year he has and come back for another season, which we would all welcome him back with, with, with open arms, when he addresses that senior day crowd for the final time and he gets his you know his jersey and stuff like that, it's going to be emotional because this guy is right up there with the Marcus Pages, the Joel Berries, Luke Mays, Theo Pences of the world, where there's just that strong connection between player and and, and fan base. Um, and I think that's something that as Tar Heel fans, we don't take for granted. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be it's going to be a special one for sure. Um, whenever that does happen, and yeah, I I just. I mean, today, yeah, I, I I don't think that was his goal coming into today was just to get to that rebounding mark. But I think he knew that in order, you know, for Carolina to have their best chance to win, him getting to that mark could be a big part of that. Um, and I think, to be honest with you, what you saw, you know, in the post game what you saw early in the game with that possession that you talked about against DJ Burns was he was tired of hearing the talk about how great NC State was, about how this team was going to come in here and bring the fight to Carolina and how this was a game that Carolina was going to have a good chance to lose. This was going to be NC State's best chance to beat Carolina in a long, long time. And I think he, he took that a little bit personally. And you saw a dominant performance from him. And I think that's the other thing, you know, when you look at, you know, the post game, him wearing the glasses, and and that goes back to the comments that were made um, about how this is, by by Terquavion Smith, 
um, you know, last weekend about, you know, you can come to NC State and do the same things that you can at Carolina or Duke. And I think he he basically, just like every other Tar Heel fan, basically said, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And he showed that in the post game today that, yeah, that's not even remotely close to being true. And we just proved that out there today. So um, he, he's a guy that Toriel fans should embrace for a long, long time because he he is I, I mean, he's basically an embodiment of, uh, of of what it means to be a Toriel on the floor every time that he takes the floor. And yes, he has developed into a tremendous player. Um, you know, you're right. He's he's probably not a guy that's going to go on to have an NBA career. Um, he, he could be a guy that you know ends up maybe sneaking onto a roster at some point. But he's just a dominant college player. And at this point, you know, for Carolina, I think we've seen these guys so many times now here in recent memory. Really, we since Roy Williams took over as head coach, this is pretty much what Carolina has had. Guys that are just dominant players in college. They don't really pan out once they get to the NBA, but they are extremely fun to watch as college players. And I think, you know, that everybody always, you know, around the country likes to point out that Carolina just doesn't develop NBA players, which isn't really true. We've seen them develop plenty of guys that went on to be first round draft picks. But I think, you know, they also have to realize that one of the big things at Carolina is really about enjoying your time while you're there and doing the most that you can while you're there, winning and and going to Final Fours and national championships. And so far, Armando has had the chance to live that. Hopefully, as we said earlier, he gets the chance to cut down the nets at the end of this season or next season if he was to come back. But this is just this is what Carolina is all about. They, your goal should be to come here and be a great college player. And Torrio fans should be excited about that. And it's why you have such tight connections to these guys why you 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 feel like you know you can you can really connect with these players because this is when they're playing their best basketball they're committed to playing their best basketball at Carolina and that's that's exactly what we've seen from Armando Baycott another guy that I, I think we're starting to see really become a really good college basketball player is R.J. Davis, who has completely just snapped out of the funk he was in to start the season. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, I thought he was Carolina's best player today. He scored 26 points on five of eight shooting uh, and was two of four from the th from the three-point line. Uh, he was 14 of 14 from the foul line, um, did have four rebounds, no assists, and did commit three turnovers in 37 minutes, but, you know, Hubert Davis talked earlier this season that, that RJ is the heart and soul of this team. I think when Caleb loves playing at a, you know, uh, uh, at a high level, he's Carolina's best player. Um, I think Armando Baycott is Carolina's most impactful player. And RJ Davis is this team's most important player. And I think you've seen that since Carolina ha has really, you know, cut it, you know, turned it on. You know, they've won nine out of their last 11 after that four-game losing streak uh, in the middle of – at the end of November and, and, and into December. And, and since then, the biggest reason why Carolina's played better is because R.J. Davis has played better. I mean, they showed a graphic uh, during the game today where his point per game has raised by two points – but it's more that his shooting percentages have raised from overall, um, they, they, from the from the field overall, double-digit percentage points. And even behind the three-point line, they've increased by double-digit percentage points. And the thing I thought about it today was he just got it in his head. He was going to the basket, and there was nothing that NC State could do about it. It didn't matter if Smith guarded him. Jarkel Joyner guarded him. It 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 didn't matter. 
he was going to the rim. He forced the issue, and that meant a lot of times he was going to the foul line, which, by the way, he leads the ACC in free throw percentage, which usually means when he's at the charity stripe, that means points are going on the scoreboard for Carolina. I thought he made a lot of hustle plays where he was diving on the floor for loose balls. He was willing to sacrifice his body. There were a couple times where he got fouled, and he got fouled hard, and he just got right back up and went out there and made another play. That three he made from the R and the Roy Williams logo uh, made you and I pretty much both come out of our seats while we were hanging out watching the game. And, and I think I, I think today was the best example of why he needs to be in control of this team because this team just responds better to him when he's controlling both ends of the floor when he's controlling, initiating the offense, and when he's setting the defense. And I know Hubert Davis tried and tried again to, to give Caleb Love some opportunities to, to, to do some type of things. It's just not there for him right now. And with as good as R.J. Davis is, I'd like to see the head coach just turn the keys over to him because I think he's proven over the last month, month and a half, he's more than capable of being the guy to, to really guide this Tar Heel, this Tar Heel team on both ends of the floor. Well, and credit to them, I think down the stretch of the game, they allowed R.J. Davis to do just that, and it was the right move because I said multiple times during the game, why is he not the guy that is the primary ball handler? And I've said it all year. It, this team is so much better when he is the guy that is setting up this offense because. He, he just, the, the way that he gets downhill is hard to stop. And you saw it again today. He got to the, he got to the foul line 14 times in this game and was 14 of 14. He was five of eight from the field overall. He's becoming more efficient. As you mentioned, it's, it's both from there and, and from three point land, two for four today. And both of the shots that he hit from deep were extremely tough shots. The one yeah, that one, nobody could have planned for that. But even the other one just creates enough space for himself and knocks it down. Those are the types of plays that you're starting to see from him. And look, we talked at one time about R.J. Davis, and we said we don't. We are pretty certain he's going to be back next year. I got to tell you, I don't know if that's a guarantee at this point. Because I think that he is doing a lot of things on the offensive end of the floor that are what you need to do to make it to the NBA level. And I've told you multiple times here over these last couple of weeks that I think as of right now, he's probably a better NBA prospect than Caleb Love because he can just create his own shot at this point. And you're seeing that. But I thought the biggest thing for him was early in the game, he turns the ball over three times. And that could have been a moment where he, he says, look, this just isn't my day. And we've seen that from him before, where, you know, it just, it, he turns the ball over a lot early in a game and he just kind of disappears and can never really get back into a rhythm. He has found a way to shake any of those struggles off here recently anytime that he starts a game slow it doesn't matter when Carolina needs him to step up and play well he has and right now I think that for Carolina on the offensive end of the floor they they have to lean on him and Armando Baycott to carry this team because that is when this team is at their best um I think Caleb Love, as as we saw today, especially in that second half, once he started realizing that attacking the basket was the best way to go, you saw him get to the foul line um, where he was 9 of 10. But he's 3 of 14 from the field. He's just not playing efficient basketball. And there were still a lot of times today where he initiated the offense early in the game after those initial struggles from R.J. Davis and he was the guy that set everything up on the offensive end. You saw him take some out of rhythm shots. It's I, I I can't think of a moment today where I said to myself, 
R.J. Davis just shook the offense out of rhythm by taking that shot. It didn't happen. So that's why he needs to be a big part of what Carolina does offensively. But most importantly, he needs to be the primary ball handler for this team because this this team in the half court is so much better when he is the one that is setting them up. I I don't disagree with that. Um, I, I I'm, I'm with you. I, I think you know that they figured out last year how how for Love and Davis to play well together, and it was Davis on the ball, Love off the ball. And I think you know if you look at it again today, that's still the best recipe for success. Caleb did make some big plays in this game, but you know he did score 16 points, but was three of 14 shooting again. One of five from three. He did grab five rebounds, but, you know, his shot just isn't there right now. And, and I, it just feels like, you know, Davis, as you mentioned, can create for himself. He's so good with his – and he does it with the dribble. That's that's the, the thing about it is he creates space with his footwork and his dribbling ability. Um, you know, he, he, he can create his own shot. He creates for others. He's just a much more all-around efficient player. I mean, I mean, Brendan Marks told me that if he was if he was over six feet tall, he would have probably left last year because the 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 way he plays the the way he plays the game translates to the NBA level. It's more about does his body does his body translate to the NBA level is the concern. My thing is that even if the body may not translate, that heart does because that kid. That kid competes as hard as any any player we've had in recent memory. It's why it's why I love him and, and and adore him. And you know, I often refer to him as my favorite Tar Heel on the team. Of course, they're all my favorite. I love every single one of them. But you know, we all have a favorite, and, and RJ Davis happens to be mine because of the way the way he just he 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 plays so hard and he's willing to sacrifice his body. For the betterment, not of himself, but for Carolina, um, you know, I want to bring I want to bring up the free throw shooting again, because I think, I think the staff really just deserves a lot of credit for Carolina shooting thirty six or making, or for them sh- for them shooting thirty nine free throws, because it wasn't like Carolina started the game out just aggressively tacking the rim. It just wasn't the case, you know, they were. I'm not saying they were just settling for jump shots, but you know, RJ and Caleb were trying to get, you know, their 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 shots going. And Armando was doing a lot of things where he was trying to get himself going. And at some point it was just simply put put some pressure on them. Make them defend and not foul you and see what happens. And I think what we learned was that they couldn't do it. Um, you know, state was in was in foul trouble early in the first half, and they were in foul trouble early in the second half. And a big credit of that was because Hubert Davis and his staff opened up the driving lanes um, and, and allowed Love and Davis uh, lanes to drive to the to the rim. But also I thought the thing they did really well was isolating guys on certain matchups and attacking them. And State did a good job of that as well with DJ Burns isolating on some of our guys and, and letting him go to work. The thing is, and this is what we talked about going in, was I think Carolina just had too many weapons. And that's why Pete Nance was able to to put the ball on the floor from the three-point line and dribble and put somebody on a poster. And, and so I think that was just something, um, you know, Adam Lucas told me when I talked with him on Friday, Hubert Davis has done a really good job as a young head coach at making adjustments on the fly and within the game. I thought that was one today where he saw a mismatch where he thought his guys could get to the rim and draw fouls, initiate the contact, and that's what happened. And that was as big a reason, if not anything, as Carolina or as the reason why Carolina comes away the victor today. Yeah, and that was the frustrating thing was there there were times early in the first half where it was pretty obvious that you were going to be able to get to the lane and either finish or draw a foul. And Carolina just wasn't able to attack the rim the way that we wanted them to, especially, you know, within the first, you know, 
eight to 10 minutes of the game. I mean, that, that was the reason why they struggled so much in the half court. But once they were able to sort of wear this NC State team down, and that it, it, it really opened up those driving lanes. And when it mattered the most, Carolina was able to get to the rim. And, and, and you mentioned it, and we, we've seen it since the game has concluded, as you would expect. And they were complaining about it before last night. Um, Corey Smith of Pat Pride doing what they do best. They were complaining before the game that the officiating was not going to go their way. And that's why that that's why I, I said earlier, that's a mindset thing around that program, which is not not a great sign for them that every time you met, you, you come into this matchup, your thought is that you're going to get screwed by the refs. So just just know that going in. I I think today you just saw that, look, this is how NC State plays. They play a very physical brand of basketball. And, look, it can work a lot of the times, but a lot of the times where when, when that happens, you're going to put teams at the foul line. And the thing that is, you know, honestly sort of hypocritical from NC State fans is that they complain about the officiating, but this is this is nothing new for NC State this season. They have put a bunch of teams at the foul line over and over again this year. It has been a problem for them because of the way that they play. So, you know, for Carolina, they clearly were able to take advantage of it a little bit more than even some of the other teams. And look, here's the thing. If they're going to call the fouls, then you just keep going back to it over and over again until they stop you. And late in the game, they weren't able to stop you at all. You got easy looks at the rim, and most of the time you were able to finish them with baskets. You didn't even have to go to the free throw line. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Credit to Huber Davis and his staff, Jeff Lebo, and those guys for realizing, hey, we got to get downhill and and find a way to attack the rim here because they really don't have anything. And, you know, when, at the free throw line, th- this was a team that we just talked about earlier this week about how, you know, were, were we concerned about this team's free throw shooting? And today, 39 attempts at the line, it would have been easy to miss a, 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 a solid amount of these and to keep NC State around all the way until the end. And Carolina was unbelievably efficient from the line. And I think you just you have to give these guys a lot of credit, guys that have struggled at times to make big foul shots this year, fade them consistently throughout the day. And your best guys, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, the guys that were attacking the basket late. Well, I mean, they were outstanding. They combined for 23 of 24 from the foul line. So. Uh, I, I think all around just a, a tremendous day in that department of attacking the basket, which was something that you felt like Carolina had to do coming into this game. Not only did Armando Baycott move into number one in the record books uh, with his per- uh, performance today at the foul line, RJ Davis is now the number one is number one in UNC history for free throw percentage. He passes he passed the great, or he has passed the great Shaman Williams. Of course, this has a chance to ebb and flow um, as he as he shoots more free throws. Shaman left Carolina as an eighty four point eight percent free throw shooter. Uh, R.J. Davis in his career now is an eighty five point zero five percent foul shooter. So uh, that'll be something else for us to monitor um, as we make our way through the rest of the season. And the last thing I really want to touch on here really quickly, I, I, none of this is possible without Carolina's defense today. Um, I put it in the article at HeelToughBlog.com that I think it was the best defensive performance we've seen from them against a Power 5 school all season long. Um, because I thought, I thought that energy, that effort, that focus was there from the beginning. They were engaged defensively. And they needed to be because State with Smith and Joyner and you know Burns, those are those are three guys that that can really take over the game on offense. 
Marcel is also a guy that could really put the ball in the basket for them. And I really thought Carolina just did, you know, as 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 adequate a job in a game that had as many possessions as this had, in a game that, you know, um was as physical as this game was. I I I thought they just competed. And I know you put it out in your little post-game tweet that they they defended their tails off. And I thought the big, you know, one of the best parts about it was, you know, when even when Leaky Black had to you got ejected from the game, that 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 end of the floor didn't didn't suffer with DeMarco Dunn on the floor. Um I thought he was still and that's why he's carved out the role he has. He played the most minutes of any guy off the bench today at 17. Um, you know, is because that guy defends his tail off. And, you know, I think you got to commend Caleb Love for that again today. While his shot wasn't falling, he was defending. And I thought the best part was that Baycott and Nance adjusted to how they guarded DJ Burns. Because DJ Burns, the way that he shoots the ball, he's a crafty guy where he brings the ball down. That brings usually that means the defender is going to put his arm down. Well, he's going to go up and create contact. I thought Nance and, and Baycott adjusted to that, and these state guys just proved over the course of the game they're not good enough to make contested jump shots. And, and I, I, I I've, I've said it the last couple of games. This team I think is buying in more defensively, and that's going to be the thing that's going to really either vault them into a legitimate threat to compete and win this conference or keep them where they are in the middle of the pack. This team can score. I mean, they scored 80 points today while shooting 37% from the field and 22% from the three-point line. They've got to start committing defensively. I think they're doing that. And another great uh, example of that was what they did today, holding State to 69 points, 42% from the field, and 29% from three. I mean, we heard coming in uh, that Hubert Davis, I I know, you know, Dan Bonner said this, and I don't know if you guys were able to hear it amongst all of the explanation for the final seven minutes of the game (laughs) where Dan Bonner had to try to lay out what a quad one win was. Um, Also had one of the dumbest statements that I think I've heard in a long time from someone on television that this game was more important for Carolina's NCAA tournament hopes than NC State's, I I guess. I I don't really know because he was basically trying to say that Carolina doesn't have quad one wins. I mean, they've only got one so far this year, but then right after he explains that, they put up a graphic showing that Carolina plays uh, three more quad one games here in the next coming weeks. It's, it's so I, I don't know. Very strange. Um, but he, he had, you know, he was talking about how Hubert Davis said coming into the game, he wasn't concerned about his offense, like you said, and he shouldn't have been. He was more concerned about this team on the defensive end of the floor and how they would be able to slow down this NC State team. And I thought, you know, coming in, yeah, this was a high-powered NC State offense um, that really, I mean, they they wanted to play with pace. And early in the game, we saw that, especially once Carolina started turning the ball over. When they had that stretch, NC State turned the ball over four times to begin the game. And then Carolina countered with four straight turnovers of their own. And all of a sudden, NC State's offense was really rolling. And, you know, I thought Carolina did a great job of adjusting after that. Once they were able to take away those fast break points, which, again, was the biggest thing in this game, that's the one area that they really have to focus on trying to solve now moving forward defensively is how can they slow down these fast break points. They really have to just take care of the basketball better. I think that will really help them along the way. Um, but in terms of their half-court defense, I thought they were outstanding. As you mentioned, D.J. Burns, really just the way he plays overall. The sh- when he takes jump shots, it's it's one thing. But he, he's just a dude. It's it's really hard to get mad at the way that you, that you or really anybody defends him because he just hits some of the toughest shots that you will see. Um, his offensive game is not really all that refined in terms of, you know, how he positions himself for plays. But 
for some reason, even though he, you know, he allows defensive players to get great position on him and contest shots over and over again, he's still somehow able to finish. And in terms of some of the shots that NC State was hitting early in the game, man, Carolina, I, I mean, I thought there were multiple times where, you know, when we were watching the game together today, we just said to each other, yeah, there's really not much you can do there. How do you get mad at how Carolina just defended that? So I, I thought overall in the half court, they did a good job of staying in front of the basketball for the most part. I mean, there were some times early in the game where they allowed guys to sort of blow by them in the to, to the basket. But I thought for the most part, they did a good job of taking away a team that wanted to drive the ball at the rim. Um, and, and that's a credit to those guys because coming in, they really hadn't proven in conference play that they were able to do that. They made the adjustments today against a team that was going to be aggressive trying to get to the rim, and you, you saw the results. And I thought, you know, for as much criticism as he has taken this year and for as nervous as we were once we saw the news that Puff Johnson was not going to play in this game, I thought Pete Nance was tremendous on the defensive end of the floor today. There were a couple of times where, I mean, there was one play in particular where he was able to help. He hedged and was attempting to help. They did, NC State did a good job of driving and kicking. He did an unbelievable job of covering enough space to contest the shot forced the guy out of the shot, and it, it eventually led to a turnover. That it, It's just those those types of things are, you know, what you really need to see from him for the rest of the season. I thought he competed on the glass as well. Um, eight rebounds in this game today. That's one of his better performances of his Tar Heel career. And th that that is where he can carve out his niche. We saw that in the first game of the season, and we thought, okay, this is going to be what this guy will be known for. Maybe, he, you know, he can bring some of those things that we heard about him offensively, but really defensively is where he could really make his name. Well, hopefully, you know, with him now, you know, finally getting back to what seems like, I wouldn't say fully healthy, because anytime it's a back injury like the one that he suffered, you never know when it can possibly flare up. But now that he seems at least back to being able to play significant minutes, I mean, he played 37 minutes in this game today. Um, I, I really do think that he is a guy that could be able uh, to do some things for Carolina on the defensive end of the floor. I thought it was you know, the, defending on the perimeter, I thought he played really well. And I also thought he did a good job against DJ Burns handling himself because we saw one possession where Jalen Washington was matched up against DJ Burns and you did not see Jalen Washington, even when he was on the floor for that stretch after that, uh, you did not see him matched up against him. Pete Nance was the guy that had to step up and I thought he did. Yeah, and I... I thought all around today, it was just a total team performance. It was a great Carolina win. And, you know, Hubert Davis said in his postgame, there's nothing like Saturday afternoon games in the ACC. There's nothing like Saturday afternoon games with a big crowd in the Smith Center behind it. And th this feeling of, of playing big games and winning big games, it never gets old. Um, I was jacked from from the word go. I was ready to go. Um, you know, this was, this was a stand in season game as, as I now like to refer to them as where, uh, there was a point in the game where I stood and stood the rest of the way. Cause it, it felt like that type of game. And, um, these types of games are a lot more fun when Carolina comes out the winner and that's what happened today. This is going to wrap up this edition of the show guys. Before we let you go, we do encourage you to visit our website, heeltoughblog.com where, there's a more uh, in-depth recap of the game posted for you guys on on, on the website um, as, 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 as I go a little bit further inside the box score and some other stuff with Carolina's win over NC State. I'll be back getting you ready for the game against Syracuse. 
as Carolina travels to upstate New York and take on the Orange on Tuesday night. As for as for football, we're fully in the offseason mode, but any news or notes that comes out of the Keenan Center, Anthony, of course, have you covered on that front as well. As for the podcast, you guys know where to find us. Uh, we're on every major pod- podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast, and we will pop up where we encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, we do want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Once again, thoughts and prayers are lifted up to Terquavion Smith of NC State. I do want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.